Hello friends, welcome to episode 86 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are you doing, Rob? You know, not too bad. Yeah. You know, for, yeah. for, for a holiday that is already kind of stressful because mm-hmm. of, you, you know, preparing for it or negotiating it or being involved in retail or food or anything... And then stacking on top of everything that's happened in 2020, I can honestly say it's not too bad. Yeah, like I, th- I think I'm, I think I'm more relaxed about this holiday season because it's canceled, at least for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will not say that it's canceled so much as it's definitely changed, and the things that were removed were some of the stresses. Travel, yeah, is, is really down. So, like. Part of me, like, I worry about people traveling. I worry about people getting places. Friends of mine who are going to other places that might be, you know, hours away and trying to fit that into their work schedule. Oh, yeah. And and that's just stressful. Or, or trying to make multiple locations, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, I got to go here, and then I've got to go here, and then I've got to go here, and then I got to somehow make it to this thing, too. And it's like... That's a lot of that, that's a lot of travel, a lot of danger, and yeah. you know, and and especially where we're at, where it's snowy or icy or you know, grapefruits are falling out of the sky. <laughs> you just don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it kind of took a little bit of that away from me, just a little bit. Well, but, stress so. stressful or not, uh, I hope everybody else is uh, having a very happy happy holiday season. Yes. Uh, whichever whichever one you uh, happen to celebrate, there are many. I think uh, Hanukkah just got wrapped up. I. Thing. Yes, gets earlier in December. Yes, um, Yule was a couple days ago. Yes, which was wonderful. Uh, we had the special alignment that yeah. went along with it for those who were, <clears throat> were following the uh, astrological conjunction <laughs> that was I, going on. I, I am, I am bad. I was not. <laughs> uh, you know what? I got to catch it digitally uh, on someone else's. Uh, um, somebody was uh, televising some live mm-hmm. shots of it, and it it was impressive. Yeah. So uh, you know, so happy holidays, everyone. Keep it safe and. And and just try to relax a little bit and enjoy it a little bit if you can. The uh, the upcoming date that I'm uh, looking forward to is this coming weekend. I've got my game going on. Yes, you do. And uh, I am woefully unprepared at this exact moment in time. I, I think that's the standard thing for DMs, cosplayers, <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> you know, last game I was so on my ball, I was so full of spit and vinegar that I just, I went and, and just... Uh, you did a you great know, job. I made a bunch of maps and did a bunch of stuff in Foundry, and now it is, what, four days before my game, and uh, I I still have, like, a map to make. But it's four days. Yeah, and it's but it's it's four days of vacation, too, so that's kind of why I've been procrastinating on it. Because you're like, I'll do it when I'm on vacation. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you and I started playing a new game together, and that went to crap, so... <sighs> Well, because we're enjoying things. Because we're enjoying things. And that's, that's right. Nice and and honestly, together. we learn when we play our games. Yeah. We learn more stuff. Yes, we do. So speaking of things we learned, mm-hmm. um, tonight we're talking about rewards. Yeah. Which is fitting for the season because everybody talks about gift giving. And, you know, in some ways when you're playing a storyteller or, or DM, you're giving gifts for successes. Well, I mean, it goes back to like the the earliest, you know, versions of Dungeons and Dragons where, yeah. you know, loot was the reason you played the game. It was the reason you for went the season. To dungeons. Yes. You got treasure, you know, and that's how you advanced. So mm-hmm. um but, you know, I think loot has kind of evolved um over time as we've we've added uh new dimensions to stories and such like that and we started we got a little more out of the dungeon, a little more into the um the storytelling space. And so rewards aren't so cut and dry anymore. You know, it's not always uh, just treasure and stuff like that. So it's a much larger discussion about what constitutes a good reward, um, whether you're rewarding your players or your characters, and uh, where loot balance lies. You know, how much is too much? How much is not enough? And uh, trying to adjust your, I guess, your game world around that. Yeah. And I, I think the other part of that is, what are you rewarding? Are you rewarding the players, or are you rewarding the characters? Or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. So, when we're talking about reward systems like this, we're talking about rewarding both player motivations mm-hmm. um, in in uh, doing what their character is motivated to do, not necessarily what just needs to be done. I mean, there's a difference between, oh, I'm going to go fight this monster because there's a monster between me and X, right? It's my challenge. And, hey, guys, 
you know, we should really go do something about, you know, uh, helping the town because the guard's all injured from the last attack. Maybe we should take watch right now, you know, and I'll be the stalwart fighter that my character believes that he could be, you know. Okay, so now you're 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 using the motivations of your character. Mm-hmm. That That's something to be rewarded. Um, or leaning into a weakness, maybe, you know, yeah. Yeah. My, my, my character might have, um, you know, uh, something that is they're a little deficient and perhaps they didn't get a formal education. Mm-hmm. And so I role play how I cobble things or figure things out. You know, um, a lot of people will say, well, I'm playing the big dumb troll, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so how do I know anything about the legal system? I am just a big dumb troll, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> so, and, and role playing those things, sh- I, 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 you know, it should be rewarded. I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying like, you know, oh, you did a good job role playing. Here's a, you know, who's, here's a plus two longsword or something like that. But, um, you know, playing the big dumb troll, maybe. Pardon me. Oh, goodness. Apparently my warning was right then. Oh, okay. That's We're good, though. All right. <laughs> the, the bomb's not going to explode. No, we're, we're good. We're it. solid. We're solid. All right, great. I'm rewarded for doing laundry, apparently. There you are. <laughs> um... But you know, it's it's not as t- you know tangible as like you you played a, you played a big dumb troll. Here's a plus two longsword or something like that. But it's right. it's you know um, you know the the consequences for being dumb or something like that maybe aren't as harsh. You know, yeah. it gets played off as comedic or whatnot. You know, in in it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ways you can reward that sort of behavior. In a lot of games actually have mechanical um uh, mechanical systems in there too. Yeah. Uh, not only uh, put them in during character creation, where like um, you'll have like merits and flaws in uh, uh, in White Wolf. Um, they're they're called edges and flaws in Shadowrun, uh, such like that. Um, and I'm sure well we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But uh, yeah. you know you're they'll also have some sort of system where like if you play one of those flaws, then you may get a some sort of a tangible benefit for it. Yeah, which pushes it also um in those same types of systems not only playing it but um drawing it into the story making Mm -hmm. it part of the story uh adds that and then you've got your more classic stuff your you know i slayed this therefore give me some xp or or give me some loot off of a loot table yeah you know your classic stuff and also just your i completed things do we take do we move up do we milestone ourselves into something Mm -hmm. new Mm -hmm. you know and that's so. that's I think what you know, XP is one of those like it's become a very controversial um, thing I think nowadays. I definitely think it gets questioned more. It, it, it gets questioned a lot more I think as as we've realized that um, you know experience point advancement is not the only way you have to do things. Right, right. Well, I mean, definitely there there have been a lot of systems that just don't even have any advancement. Yeah, like you start playing and that's it. Like there's no advancement. It's just story. Yeah, and a, a lot of them use like point buy sort of stuff. Like I know mm-hmm. White Wolf was, you know, your experience points become a currency to to advance your character with. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, uh, I think, you know, it, it used to be a foregone conclusion. I, I don't know when it started to roll over into milestone. Um, I know sometime during like third edition D and D, I stopped paying attention to experience points mm-hmm. and just started being like, you know, we'll just we'll just level you up when whenever it's a appropriate because i don't want it to i don't want you guys to start you know i don't want to have to balance my encounters around are you guys going to level up too fast Mm -hmm. because one thing i'm always very conscious of is that um you know if you level up too fast what was it somebody said that uh they they did the math and if you assume the adventuring day as described in the dm's guide right Mm -hmm. like uh, the certain number of encounters of a certain challenge level every day Mm -hmm. for an adventurer yeah you'll go from one to 20 in like just over a month right and i was always very conscious of that speed Mm -hmm. you know yeah like how did you go from you know frightened farmer with a trident or you know with, with a pitchfork to uh you know, able to shatter mountains with your magic in just under a month. Well, I mean, also, I think to 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 kind of put an edge to that is that it's a month worth of of conflict. It's every day you're doing something in conflict, um, and I think those being spaced out, yeah. If you had thirty days worth of conflict, you're gonna be a different person. Well, of course you are, but yeah. I don't think you're going to significantly grow in power. You're just going to come out the other end traumatized. <laughs> that is, that is very you're true. You're going to get a therapy bill, not a ninth level yeah. spell, you know? 
Um, Knox in the box in the, uh, uh, in the live chat is asking, uh, is there a system where treasures are more vague and customizable? Like chests just have points in them that you can save and spend for more skills. Um, um, yeah, it's called gold. There, no, there, <laughs> there was a system. I'm trying to remember what it was that I played. Um, it was a while ago where, uh, the DM basically says, you know, this is a, uh, this is an eight point chest. Oh, or, or, okay. or 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 a rank eight chest, and so at that point the players got to say what was in it. Oh, it's like it's like being a Chuck E. Cheese's, and you have yeah. like all the skee ball tickets. Yeah, like, you have you tickets. Get to pick things off of the top rack. Exactly, exactly. And in that, it kind of allowed you to manipulate the story a little bit in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the treasures that were in there weren't like character advanced. There weren't like you know a wad of magic, you know, wand of magic missiles, sure, or sure, like sure, a, sure, sure. or a bonus sword. It was more like you find a treasure map, mm-hmm. or you find a writ, or you find you know another quest you know, a level two quest or something like that. Yep. So it was always an extension. So it was up to the players like, Hey, what do we want to find in this chest? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, but kind of getting back to the, the, the milestone XP thing. Um, like I, it, that in and of itself, I think is a great, is a much better reward. I find than XP. Now, do you feel that that's a player reward or a character reward? I think it's a bit of both. Okay. I mean, the character, the character gets more power. Right. More, you know, and, and gets to, uh, speaking strictly in a D&D sense, because yeah, that's yeah. really the only place where, where milestone XP kind of comes in for me. True. Um, All the other games I've played have been point by adva- non-linear advancement, so. Right, right. Um, for for me, it's like it's it, the character gets access to new stuff. Sure. So that's a straight up character reward. Right. When right. like when my wizard leveled in your game, yep. I got access to teleportation circle, and I think that's badass. Yep. You know, perfect timing too. Ab- absolutely perfect. Speaking timing. of which, we still have to talk about that. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, <laughs> but uh, but so that was a reward for for Ravana. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a reward for me because now I feel like my character, like I can I can do more things, and I feel mm-hmm. better about having a higher level character. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like she's grown. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, though, I, I, I like Milestone XP a lot more than um, uh, than Point XP. I mean, it's a lot less to manage, but it's also kind of a lump treasure. Mm-hmm. Like, you notice it a lot more when it's just like, and today we're leveling up. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. We're leveling up. Today's level up day, guys. Yep. You know, instead of just um, being like, oh, Hold on, that was another fifty four hundred XP. They do the math, carry the one, and oh, yeah, a little up. Yeah, on that random goblin. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that doesn't feel climactic to me. I agree. I agree. Whereas I... milestones, you can put them in dramatic places. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, your broken, bruised, and captured main characters will be leveling up from their experience Indeed when we they come will. back. Indeed, they will. They've been through some crap. Yeah. Wow, that'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so it's, it's being a little more about the rewards, though. Um, okay. So we, we've we've talked about how there's rewards for the players and rewards for the characters. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of these player rewards? Because I think we all we all kind of think we know at least what a character reward is, right? Yeah. Um, but what I, are we talking about when we're talking about rewarding the player? When I think about uh, player rewards, I'm thinking about stuff like from Seven C, which is the fate, you know, uh, drama dice or fate dice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in D anD D, it'd be inspiration points. Inspiration dice. Um, yes. You know, basically bonus dice or tokens. Um, I think Savage World has uh, the um, bennies um, mm-hmm. that can be given out. So you've got something physical in some cases, or at least a a benefit that a player can use how they choose with their character. Right. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. In Adventure or Aeon, is there? The way that you do the creative editing kind of a thing isn't there something with that? Oh, I mean, yeah. There's there's uh, there's inspiration points you can hand out. It's there. it's inspiration. Um, okay, you could you could have someone recover. Uh, I mean, it's it's a white wolf system. So typically your yeah. your bonus is recovering willpower. Oh, that's right. That's right. Almost almost always uh, when it has to do with especially like if you're role playing a flaw or something like that. Yeah, um, it's almost always recovering willpower. And I always see those as ways that you are enhancing the story mm-hmm. as a player. Like you're. You're doing a good job as an actor. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, I, 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 you know, my my character, philo- you know, design philosophy is start with you know start with a raw character design and then give them an Achilles heel. Yep. Always give them an Achilles heel. Something. Um, because, like, flawless characters are boring. 
Mm-hmm. People who succeed all the time, those are not interesting stories, you know? I believe they're referred to as Mary Sue's. Yeah, well, all your all your interesting stories come from, and then we screwed up and things went sideways. Yeah. But then... Exactly. You know? So, having these, having these, these, um flaws is or you know or whatever you want to call them detriments hindrances um edges <laughs> on your on your characters is is one thing but having a player incentive um from an out of game from a game mechanic standpoint yeah. of either re, you know regaining willpower or getting fate dice or drama dice or whatever um as an incentive to lean into those things and tell more interesting stories by specifically screwing up. Yeah, Mouse Guard has that l- deliberately written in it. Oh, Mouse Guard's great about this. Yeah, yeah, you have to fail to to move forward. Mm-hmm. You have to, what is it, you have to fail uh, ha- twice as much as you succeed? It's No, no. It's, it's not twice. It's, it's like three successes and five failures, I think, to, yeah. to level up a skill or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a neat mechanic. Um, I like it because you get to choose that you're failing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can lean into one of your traits and say, because of this, I'm going to fail. Or I'm going to, uh, my character, it's not that you're causing a failure, it's that your character has a challenge and it causes a failure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, it's hard. It is hard to go from D and D to Mouse Guard. It really is. It really is because with with D and D, you're so success driven that you know, and, and it really is a lot more of a black and white storytelling experience. And then you get into Mouse Guard, and it's like, would you? Was it? Would anybody like to do anything to hinder this this mouse's uh, 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 attempt? And I'm like, yeah, I I do, but I don't because I really don't want to like. I don't want to make you lose, and it's and yeah, I have to be constantly reminded by our storyteller, like there's no failure. Yeah, there's only you know, there's only success with consequences. Yeah. Um, the other one that gets me is uh, a lot of, when uh, John Wick was making Seven C First Edition, he didn't want to make advantages and disadvantages because mm-hmm. like you know your advantages for your character, you know, like you know maybe they they have a patron who pays you know for some of their stuff because you know they're they're doing great work or mm-hmm. or they're they have accolades toward you know uh, being part of a guild or something like that, so they have some other benefits, but disadvantages come in the form of backgrounds. They don't call them disadvantages, they call them backgrounds. Yeah. And the more you lean in, you buy them, You just like you would buy anything else, because when they come into play, when you bring them into the story as the player, you gain drama dice for it. Yep. And that's that's the, the give and take. So that mechanic helps players go, oh, I would like to have this, you know, I would like to lean into this background, that, you know, in the story. Okay, all right, let's see how you do with this. Yeah. And so you're paying in to say, hey, I want this into the story today, because I, I would do that with you guys. You guys would all start with Dice, oh, yeah. yeah. and during the story, I'd be like, okay, does anybody want to pay in for today's story? And I'd look at my character sheet, and I'd say, ah, this is probably an appropriate time. I think my star-crossed lover uh, yep. background will come into play, Okay. and my uh, messy breakup ex Helmut will yep. uh, will be in this story yep. somewhere. Yep. It's, it's somehow, somehow somehow and and those then make the story better yep. and add to the flavor of the whole thing mm-hmm. um and i think it really gives a it gives a chance for uh players to see in their character sheet how to play and i think both mouse guard and 7c do a good job of giving you that mechanical edge on helping to make your characters in that sense right 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 uh and make them unique individuals um but, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to get back to that. Uh, Nox is actually asking for a little more clarification on how that mouse guard ruling works. Um, sure. He's asking us, is it more like you're just issuing a challenge and not, quote, making them lose? Um, how the mechanic works is that uh, your traits can both be used in a positive and negative way. Correct. So if you're quiet, um, that's really great if you're trying to stealth around or, mm-hmm. be, or be unnoticed in a social situation. But it's not great if you are if you need to be heard, or you need to alert somebody, or they're trying to find you. Right. Um, or if speaking up in your own defense would be a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Just simply, you're quiet. You just you don't say anything. Yeah. You know. Um, and so all of them have that kind of double edged double edged sword to them. Um, and if you employ your trait in a negative way when there's a role to be made, mm-hmm. um, you get a trying to remember the the, the, is a tick for it yes Um, you get a mark you get a a mark of some sort basically and those at the end will during the player phase you get to add those up to can kind of be cashed in for for some currency a little bit later Mm -hmm. um 
in in one of the phases of the game. Yeah. Uh, so it's um you run into a situation where it's like, yeah, I, I kind of want these benefits, but I also don't want the other player at the table to feel like I'm trying to, you know, screw them over, basically. No, I'm just playing who I am. But it's just part of the game. And mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I needed to be talked down from that during yep. our last game session because it was like, I didn't want to be the inconvenience. I didn't want to be the stick in the mud that's like, ah, I'm going to screw you over. But at the same time, my character absolutely would have just put their foot down and been like, no, that's not going to happen or, yep. or whatever it was that that unfolded i'm not really sure exactly where that was but yeah um i'm actually trying to remember what that situation I think I was, was i was bossy about something and, yeah and i i took control of a situation that that another mouse was trying to trying to do and so what i what happened is when i employed that trait um the other player lost one or two dice to their to the number of dice they were rolling yeah um other people can help by adding dice. If you use a negative trait, it subtracts from it straight up. And yep. then whatever your pluses and minuses add up to in the dice roll, then you do that. Yeah. Fives and sixes succeed. And and to put it, there is no downside to it. Keep that in mind that it's the story is going to continue. It's not like you're, you know, you're fighting, like in our case, we were fighting a snake. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was dangerous and it was big and things like that. But it wasn't D&D fighting. Yeah. It was how do you handle this situation, and basically we handled it a specific way and put our stuff to it, and we just weren't successful enough. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a great success. We did succeed, but at the same time, people got hurt. Uh, people, um, you know, we we had uh, uh, injuries, but you know, we made it out. We were able to successfully get the snake out of where it was and off into another direction. Yeah. Um. So. D- not everything is meant to be successful. You have to have some levels of failure to be able to advance in the game and continue in the story. And failure isn't a failure. It's just success with consequences. Exactly. And I, and I think so. I think a, a good storyteller would do to recognize that difference. Um, because I think that, you know, outside of Mouse Guard, that expands into a lot of other a lot of other game systems where you've got you know, flaws or, or character, you know, hindrances and such like that in, in all these systems. And maybe they don't have a mechanical thing attached to them, but Playing an interesting character in a in a flawed way should definitely be met with some sort of reward, you know. And at the end of the day, the story should continue. Yeah. So maybe if someone has a, has a, a a a you know intelligence of six, and they're role playing it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe everyone beating the crap out of them and them having a miserable time all the time is not the answer. Is not right. the reward you're looking for there. You exactly. Know? Exactly. So. Um. And just like in 7C, when you bring your background into something, your background might be hunted. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say that, you know, in a typical game, like, that's not a healthy thing. You don't want to have people, you know, while you're trying to make your way through a very dicey ballroom scene, you know, your character, you, you know, you know that's coming up and your player's like, well, you know, I'm I am hunted, so I'm, I'm going to bring that into this scenario. And everybody's like, oh, that's going to change this whole scene. Mm-hmm. So now when you're at this ball, suddenly the Inquisition shows up. Right. And they're looking for you and they know you're here. Nobody even expected that. Yeah, nobody nobody does. Yeah. So uh, obviously the player did. Um, but uh, in that, you're you're adding some flavor to the game making things more challenging, changing up the story a little bit, but adding your own edge. And then you're also putting in other pieces to that. Mm-hmm. So it's adding challenges to the game that weren't necessarily there before to try and uh, make it different, but also bring it in on a personal level yeah. for your characters. So, All right. Let's get to talking about character rewards. Because I think this is where everybody's brain goes when they think of how re- giving rewards in-game. Classic rewards, Classic yes. rewards. Yes. Loot. Just gear, straight gear, up gear, straight money. Up. You got a new sword. You got a big pile of treasure. You got some valuable gems. You got a cloak of protection. Car, new bike. You know something. Smart gun. New yeah. drones. Yep. Yep. So, some something hot and fast. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, we and we talked about the the other uh, um, major big one is experience. Yeah. Um. Not all games use uh you know experience to milestone level. Right. Um, like we've mentioned before, a lot of game systems, your experience is a currency that you use for nonlinear progression. You know, it might be, uh, 7C does this. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like five points to upgrade my 
dancing skill from mm-hmm. four to five mm-hmm. or something like that, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's something. We'll, so, we won't go into that. Something like that. But, but anyways, mechanically though, you, you earn these, you earn points and then you spend yeah. those points for for your advancement. So those are, those are character rewards. Your character gets something tangible about them. Um, one thing though, that like, uh, gets kind of discussed, but is not typically a, um, it's not typically something that's in like the dungeon master guide or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I've seen it done and I've seen it done very effectively is things like feats yeah. being used as a reward. Yeah. I don't see a problem with that. I think it's kind of cool. Um, you know, imagine like a wizard putting in the time and effort over several game sessions and maybe some, some money of his own and stuff mm-hmm. like that um, to try to learn from the, uh, from the bard how to wear light armor and cast. Mm-hmm. And so they have these in-depth character discussions about, uh, you know, moving while casting magic and how magic somatical components are, are so much more than just, you know, flinging your fingers around, but it's a whole body thing and you need to account for your armor in that movement. And after six or seven game sessions of this, mm-hmm. when they level up, maybe you award him the lightly armored feat mm-hmm. so he can cast in light armor, mm-hmm. you know? Um and I've I've seen uh, I've seen this you know used in a couple other ways you know fighters learning uh, you know uh, um, training under a, a martial you know master of some sort you know yeah but you know if they if they if they put the time in they put the role play in and such like mm-hmm. that maybe something like a feat is is a is a good way to go yeah um, I've also seen epic boons yep. now these are to be used very sparingly because they are pretty game altering. In in some ways, you're I mean you're basically adding superpowers at this point. Yeah. But in the uh, at the towards the end of the Dungeon Master Guide for Fifth Edition, uh, under the Rewards section, there is a section for Epic Boons, mm-hmm. and it's a, like the ability to like have true seeing all the time. Right. Um, resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing of non magical attacks. Yeah. Like you just straight up take half damage from most things, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I could see that as like a a berserker barbarian who basically just ignores uh-huh. certain hits. Like no, they, they just they don't already happen. do that when they're raging. But like, imagine right. when they're not raging, you know? Right. Like you know, oh that guy's he's not in his rage, so we could probably take him out. And they hit him over the back of the head with a chair, and he just kind of turns and like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So things like that. Um. Uh, extra character abilities can and should be um rewards you can give out not everything has to be a magic item sometimes your character could just learn extra skills along the way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um the other thing that i like is kind of like things that throw into the story more Mm -hmm. or backgrounds um you know why not give them trade goods that always makes for an interesting story when your players are like yes we can't pay you and you know in gold we have no gold or gems or items here but we do have 30 head of cattle you know, uh, and the next town over is dire need of them. So uh, you you probably could take them, drive them there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, now your adventurers who go and go through dungeons and kill goblins are driving cattle. <laughs> Never thought I'd be a goat herd when I woke up, yep. but here we are. Here we are. Uh, here, here we are. are. <laughs> or or a box of of rare spices. Mm-hmm. You know that honestly does make food taste much better, but yep. at the same time, probably will make for some interesting conversations with other people. Three bolts of silk. There you go. You know, what am I supposed to do with three bolts of silk? Well, I don't know. Next time you're in the city, though, ask around. Yep. You never know what you could get out of that. Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, you never know when you're going to need a bolt of silk, yeah. you know? Uh, speaking of cities, in your last game, that your D&D game that you're playing, um, that's not mine, uh, you got a building. Yeah. You guys yeah, got awarded of, a building. Uh, part of uh, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist is yeah. you get awarded Troll Skull Manor. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's a home. I can't pay you, but here's a home base. It's a real fixer-upper opportunity, but that just sounds like it's spawning side quests to me. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and it did. It, it worked wonderfully. It's very much classic RPG of like, okay, here's your first base. Oh, by the way, it's got a leaky faucet and a this and a that and a this. You know what it reminded me of when we were talking a little bit about this at dinner is uh, Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Is having to fix up the, uh, the the community center. Yep. very. You that's know? exactly what I was thinking. And it's like, okay, we got to do this, we got to do that, and we got to go here and get one of these, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, it's been real cool. Um, uh, I I personally like um, favors and reputation and such like that. Yeah, sort of getting into the intangible rewards, mm-hmm. where um, sometimes a favor owed mm-hmm. is like one of the best rewards you can have. Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of goes along with reputation, whether you've got a uh, a mechanic for it or not. I know Seven C does have a, me- a reputation mechanic. They do. Not every game does. No. You no. know, but 
keeping in mind that like uh, uh like kind of like you 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 mentioned when we were doing our discussion earlier um where uh like you guys moved in to just a small fishing village to help them with their mm-hmm. problem with that troll and when you got there initially everybody was very offstandish to you and they mm-hmm. were like we don't need you here you're a bunch of imperial soldiers like no get, good can come of this no good can come of this we've got this handled you don't understand our small town you're from the big city yeah you know and you had to kind of put your foot down. You kind of had to deal with that for a little bit. But when you started getting results, all of a sudden you started finding the villagers were a lot more helpful. Yeah. And there was a there was a shift because you earned reputation. Exactly. Exactly. It changed them physically, changed the way that they reacted to you. I mean, technically D&D has the, uh, has the setting for being able to move them from hostile to neutral to positive uh, within you. So even if you need to find like a game mechanic to help you with that, you could always make sure that your NPCs, when the players meet them, have one of those qualities. Are they hostile to the player? It doesn't mean they're going to kill them, but they're, they're just not in favor of doing anything for them. Um, and then this would, without obviously magic or some other intervention or, you know, persuasion or some skill check like that, moves them a category forward. So you're effectively doing a mechanic that's in the game as a benefit. Yeah. So. And you don't have to think of it mechanically. No. I, I some people need mechanics. I, I didn't think of it mechanically when I yeah. did it. I, in fact, until you brought it up earlier, I didn't realize I did it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of second nature to me to be to think about, like, what have you done in the, you know, in the presence of these NPCs that would, you know, color their perception of you. Yep, yep. But, but yeah, sure, there's, there's absolutely mechanics for it if you, you know, if, mm-hmm. if that's more your thing. Well, I mean, my, my whole thought is, is that not all of our listener base has intangible designs on social constructs exactly exactly, so sometimes you need those mechanics and systems with it you know points within systems like 7c does a good job Mm -hmm. with reputation where Mm -hmm. basically the players can use can spend their reputation to have changes in the game they can call for assistance they can ask for you know an accolade they can you know get things pushed out of the way by spending those points and so in that sense You've got a little bit of tangibility to help when you're when maybe your brain's stuck on like okay well how do I handle this situation mm-hmm. oh well I don't have to the players know. Oh, and you you mentioned accolades uh, mm-hmm. accolades like and titles yes um that's another thing like you know hey we're not giving you a plus two longsword but we are knighting you mm-hmm. you know or or something yeah. like that like you are now Lord Protectorate of this of of, of this this realm you know exactly something like that uh, or even just you know something as simple as you are recognized your, your herald is recognized exactly and and that changes your station mm-hmm. without without you know without being a titled lord suddenly you now have a station you can walk into court mm-hmm. you know you you can walk amongst the peerage and that changes your your another thing that we were talking about which is access so now you know maybe you don't give your players a physical item, but you can say, oh, you know, I, I don't have time to work with you, but, uh, you know, anything, but uh, my tailor is at your disposal. Oh, really? Your tailor? Uh, the guy who made you those fine vestments? Mm, I will be getting some new robes, you know, or maybe he can help me work on this other thing. Um, not only does that give you access to those merchants or maybe libraries, you know, uh, but it also gives you a wealth of contacts, maybe. Uh, that are in there as well. Uh, games love doing this, like uh, tabletop, you know, um, uh, video game RPGs, where you meet somebody and then that person becomes a new contact for you mm-hmm. because of someone attached to them. Right. So right. now you have access to all those that contact network to be able to get more information. Or in like the case of seven, you know, of uh, Shadowrun, just getting access to the next club gets you access to the next Johnson uh-huh. and different and better jobs. Yeah. So. Um, or maybe access to travel, being able to move around easier. Yeah, um, this is one actually uh, popped up in my game. Mm-hmm. Um, was once you guys had reached a certain point in the game, uh, I, I said, you know, you've you've done enough, and they want to send you out on this quest. So here's a writ: you can take this into any mages guild and use their teleportation circle. Yep, it's on us. Um, and uh, but also like libraries. You know, mm-hmm. access, not 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 just travel, um, but you know, uh, uh, for like ships or teleportation or whatever you've got, yeah. uh, but things like libraries where you know if you need to research something, um, mm-hmm. obligatory critical role mention. Uh, Beauregard is a men uh, in uh, season uh, campaign two, uh, is a member of the Cobalt Soul, and because of her reputation and such like that, she has access to the Cobalt Soul's libraries. Mm-hmm. So it's not terribly uncommon for them to be like, hey, send a message spell ahead. 
let them know we're teleporting into their library because we've got access to their circles, mm-hmm. and uh, tell them we're going to be camping out there for a day or two where we research this big bad guy we just heard of who's apparently mm-hmm. trying to end the world. Right, 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 right. Um, merchants? Yeah. Merchants is another great one. As yeah. I was saying, like, the tailor is a great character that you could use. I, I like uh, non- non-standard things that your players would be interested in mm-hmm. that sometimes become clutch. Oh, I have to get into something. Well, where? how are we going to get into this event? We don't have anything to wear. I know a tailor. You know. Sometimes you can earn uh, rewards with your enemies as well. Agreed. And I thought this was a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes if you up your reputation with enemies through whatever means, mm-hmm. um, either you show mercy to them or you defeat one of their enemies, the enemy of your enemy becomes your friend-ish. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. So maybe they don't become your friend, but... Enemies don't hate you as much is a reward. Um, yeah. I mean, now now you're not kill on sight. Now there's a begrudging respect. As yeah. long as you don't cross them, they don't cross you. Yeah. Or or even so much if you get to a point where like, you know, well now that we're done with this, you're you're just gonna take me in. I don't know. We're about an hour outside of the county. Yep. You just Nothing. saw me commit murder. Well, see, here's the thing. I'm holding coffee, which means I'm on break. <laughs> And uh, I'm legally obligated to take this break and not do any work for 15 whole minutes. You could be anywhere in 15 minutes. <laughs> yep. Slurp. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sometimes that just that moment, you know, yeah. you're coming up to the gate and that guard who you saw, who you helped maybe, you know, two adventures back, who's now working the front gate, sees you coming up, knows the wanted posters on the wall there, looks to his left at the other guard who's maybe a little more green and hasn't been on the wall as much, just tears it off the wall and says, you know, if you ever see these people, you should tell me, as he's telling that to the guy as you're passing by, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to keep that back turned a little bit longer. Yep, you yep, know? yep, yep. That's, uh, we call that one the, the, the get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. And I, I think it adds more flavor and fun to the story. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, if you abuse, obviously if you abuse the get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, it's it's not – it's it's a card. It's it's a currency to be spent, not a yeah. – uh, not an always I can do no wrong in the eyes of the law. Yeah. It'll wear thin real quick. But mm-hmm. you might be able to get away with a thing or two if you clean up your act. You so. know, and usually what I'll say is anytime within a story, make it theatrical. Like, hey, this is the last time. I'm done doing this for you, mm-hmm. you know, or, 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 you know, the Don has paid his debt in full, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> yes. You know? We consider this matter concluded. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So those kind of things help players know that it's over, like the, the situation is done and now it's time to, you know, that's been taken care of. This mm-hmm. isn't going to be an ongoing thing. So, uh, the last one you have on here, um, and I've seen you do this in seven C, uh, is character personal character goal progression. Yes. And that's a big mouthful, but it, it just means whatever your own character side project is, mm-hmm. you get something out of it. And typically this is like a backstory thing. Yes. You know, I'm trying to hunt down the man who killed my father. Well, maybe your reward for helping out the, the, the noble in need is, you know, I recovered this uh, a bunch of mail um, and one of the letters in there was addressed to a man, uh, addressed to the man that mm-hmm. you believe killed your father. Okay. I thought you might find it interesting. Yeah. Note the address. Yeah. yeah. Like, holy crap. Like, yeah. that's, it's it's not it's not treasure. It's not fame. It's literally just a piece of paper with some information on it. But it's the thing you've been looking for. Yep. It's important to your character. It's important to your backstory. Yep. And it's going to be a great con- like, character resolution for you. Exactly. Exactly. And it may even be worthless to everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know? He but didn't it, kill everybody else's father. He just killed yours. Yeah, it's it leans into the you know you know I I got a heart you know I got this well you know do I have a brain you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's the odds thing at the end is like what does everybody get and what does it mean to them right right you right, know right, right, right. that that's part of that whole uh, reward system is knowing that it has meaning to both the character and the player mm-hmm. so because I think that kind of leans into what we're talking about next which is what are you teaching with your reward. Right, because uh, there's a very Pavlovian thing that takes place with role-playing games. Yes. Okay, and that is you will teach your characters how you want them to play with your reward system. Okay, so, and this is one of the big reasons, one of the big counter-arguments to, say, like, old styles of of Dungeons & Dragons-style XP, where killing things was the source of XP. 
well, if the only way you advance your character and get new things is by killing things, what are you teaching your characters? You're teaching them that murder is the solution to their problems. Right. Right? And so that's how you end up with murder hobos. Oh, there's just a bunch of guards? No, they're big bags of XP. Yeah. You know, oh, and the, and those guards are going to send the royal guards after us? Those are even bigger bags of XP. I mean, it's funny when we, we play digital games, you know, where it's all about stealth and, and not... You know, uh, you know, not getting caught and not being seen, but the moment that it's okay to be seen, shame. be seen, shame, lock and load. Let's just wipe everybody out because it's their bags of XP floating mm-hmm. around. Yep. Um. You know, and and it's it's sad when you think about it that way, but it does reward you to continue doing that yeah. pers- that thing. And so, keeping this in mind, um, you want to give your rewards. Um, to incentivize the things that you want to see in your players. Yeah. You know? So if they do a good job role-playing one of their flaws, one of their hindrances or something like that, give them some, give them a reward for it. Mm-hmm. Give, toss them a Benny token. Yep. Toss them a fate die. Give them an inspiration die or yeah. something like that. Um, you know, it, it, that, it, they'll think about that next time they're role-playing and thinking like, oh man, I don't want to... I don't want to role-play my six intelligence because that just means that I'm going to lose the situation. Well, if last time they got an inspiration die and everybody laughed and you know had a yeah. good time at the table, they're gonna do it again. Yeah, you know you've taught them that that's a good thing that should be rewarded. Yeah, and it's sometimes hard because we do think about it as did everybody at the table laugh or everybody sigh or everybody cry? Was it a was it a heavy moment that came out of it? Mm-hmm. And as a storyteller, it's hard to get your mind frame into. Did a player do something that was their character? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if everyone else noticed or if it was serious. I mean, in and that's hard to make those notes. Sometimes it just takes a sticky note with everybody, you know, individual names on it, so you can put tick marks next to it. Sure. So that you, to help you remember when moments happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because there's definitely those moments that have passed me in games where I didn't make a note because I, I was either laughing or I was listening too intently, and I'm like, "Ooh, I'm really liking this." And I'm like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! I gotta write this down real quick." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's those kind of moments that you've got to catch to be able to keep encouraging those moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of storytellers will say, "You know, well, I wait till the end." No, like if, if you've got a moment that you want to reward midstream, do it. Yeah. Make sure that they know that it's worth it. There's typically something you can do to reward them right away. Yeah. Um, like I said, Benny, Benny tokens, fate dice, yeah. uh, a fate fate token. Yeah. Um, I mean, make up something for your table. Die. Yeah. Just, Throw a poker chip at them and say, okay, rem- here's your poker chip for what you just did. It's oh, really? For, yeah, it's just, good for a reroll. You know, well, or something. You know, yeah. You know? Or or even not even think anything that moment, but at least they have the value in front of them for the end of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, of that session to be able to cash it in for whatever it needs to be cashed in for. Yep. yep you yep. know, but you're giving it to them in an active sense, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know. There's um some some gaming groups uh and. You you can you can say good things and bad things about this uh, I, I suppose um, depending on the social dynamic involved. Agreed. Um, but there are some gaming groups I've been in where um, other players will nominate like the best role player for the yep. night and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and uh, it's, it's good from the standpoint of getting other players talking about and encouraging those sort of behaviors in the other players at the table. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to feel good about, you know, getting like, oh, hey, the storyteller gave me a Benny token for this. Mm -hmm. But it's another thing when, um, you know, the player that you look up to across the table looks at you and goes, holy crap, my favorite moment of the night was when Sarah did that thing, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, said that to that bad guy and it was totally mm-hmm. sassy and it was great and everybody laughed. Like, that was a clutch moment and I absolutely love that. I'm nominating her, yeah. you know. And it's 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 nice to kind of see this. Again, there's good things and bad things about that because I think, you know, some of your weaker role players may, may feel left out about it. But Agreed. depending on the social dynamic at the table, I think if everybody f- feels like they're on an even keel, it can be a nice thing to have to encourage your players to say nice things about each other. Yeah, especially if spotlight is shifting. If your group mm-hmm. is good about shifting spotlights and seeing where people are shining and, and moving the light to another player at times, I think that's a great thing to do. Mouse Guard has that mechanic. It does. It does. Mouse Guard has a mechanic. And, and I, I remember us kind of getting into fights over, no, you were the best role player. No, you were the best role player. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, but you did this thing. Well, yeah, but you did this thing. Yeah. And you want, those are the kinds of, like, good fights. And you end up with someone at the table going, fine, I'll take best role player. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you choke on it. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So, 
when we talk about these loot rewards, the actual physical rewards, which is kind of a key point that can really turn a game, we have to talk about balance. Oh, this is the roughest part for me. Yeah. And it is hard to find a good balance because some storytellers will say it doesn't matter what you give them. You can always balance around it. Mm -hmm. And then you have your storytellers who don't, who aren't prepared to balance around it. And you have players who take everything and turn it into, you know, you know, the, the BFG 9,000 and can wipe out everything in a story. You know, it's a plot weapon that just destroys, you know, I'm always, I'm always afraid of unforeseen consequences. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always afraid of that one thing where it's like, Oh, it has this fun and interesting effect that I imagine is going to be used once or twice and then forgotten about. Sure. Sure. To make a role-playing situation slightly more quirky. It's a flute of, you know, squirrel summoning. Yeah. And And they can like, Retrieve anything that's a that's you know a less than a half a pound and can you know uh, and can you know uh, fit within a one you know a two by two by two space exactly. But then you get that one player who's going, hold on a second, half a pound. How many squirrels are we talking? And you're like, I don't know, eight. Okay, okay, I can work with eight. Yeah, and you're like, what are you scheming? And then yep. they unload this hairbrain that like, and you just you give them answers. Not knowing the damage they're about to do. And then they go, okay, so I summon the squirrels. And since this thing's saying the player's guide says this is only a quarter of a pound, so it's well within their ability to do, and it is small enough that they could get it, I'm going to blah, 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 and they're going to give me the crown jewels. And you're like, ah, crap. Because they can. This whole quest was just to go get the crown jewels, and I just accidentally handed you a thing that allowed you to do it in fifteen minutes of description. Right, or or just as simple as like you know, oh, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a squirrel right behind this guy and polymorph him into this. Yeah, because he's a willing, you know, he's he's a friendly, willing, uh, you know, subject, and uh, I can target him with it. So therefore, boom, you know. But I think I think we've all had it happen yeah. at least once oh, at our at tables least, where, where someone just takes that one innocuous magic item and just wins the game with it. And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what I did there, you know? Yeah. But then once they they were able to do it, now they're like, oh, I just uh, – any, any solution, any problem I need a solution to, I just use this Pull thing. the flute, yeah. Yeah, I just pull the flute out and my squ- squirrel army goes for it, you know? So, I mean, at that point, what do we do? So – I think there's three things you can do. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of things you probably shouldn't do, but... I I think there's three main things you can do. All right. Okay. Um, I think probably the best thing is uh, build encounters around it and with it in mind. Um, Okay. I'm not a big fan of, like, retconning things out of the, you know... And I'll I'll, I'll get to the remove it option in a second. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. Right. So... I think players like to feel powerful. Mm-hmm. You should reward players for their ingenuity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, keeping in mind that your enemies are also smart people, Very typically, oh, sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and your characters may carry a reputation with them. Yes. So your enemies might know, for instance, that one of the heroes has a flying broom. Yep. And so they put extra archers because they know there's going to be a flying you know, target mm-hmm. out there. Um, they may uh, uh, have to then run into different complications. You mm-hmm. know, I, th- I think that's the big thing is not, they may circumvent your main one, mm-hmm. you know, like flying, you're going to circumvent all of the, the melee characters and such like that. Sure. They're not going to be able to touch you, Yeah, but you're giving them new challenges to deal with. Sure. Okay. So you want to be the aerial ace. You want to be up in the, fl- uh, up, on, up in the skies. There are sky challenges. There are things like wind. There are projectile weapons. There mm-hmm. are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Gravity is its own harsh mistress. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, so there's there's ways to build your encounters and take those things into account, mm-hmm. especially if you know your character has an, your, your player has an established pattern of using their overpowered loot in a certain particular predictable way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, your second option is mitigated outright. Mm-hmm. Um, if the character can fly, uh, the dungeon now all have low ceilings that puts them in range even when they're flying. Mm-hmm. You can't fly higher than 10 feet, and you're in sword range. Yep. Um, you got to be really careful with this. Because you gave them a benefit. Yeah. And especially if it's something directly. For instance, if I give someone a, you know, a, a plus one long sword, you know, it, it's got an obvious thing that it's going to be able to do. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. No big deal. Sure. But if the guy is literally using it to break every door open. Mm-hmm. Because it can't be broken by a door, 
right? And then, so now all the doors are metal magical doors. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of telling him to stop using it on the doors, but at the same time, like, that's not a, a, a healthy way to handle that. Maybe put something different behind those doors, mm-hmm. you know, instead. Really think about the consequence of prying open every door, you know? Sure. You pry open this door. It's a storage room. Oh, really? What's in there? Grain? Like, or or, or what, what I'm thinking off the top of my head is you pry open the door. The door is now broken. Yeah. Because you opened it in a way it was not meant to be meant to mm-hmm. be opened. Okay, what's inside? A gelatinous cube. I close the door. It doesn't close. You, you broke, broke it. the door. Yeah. Roll initiative. Yeah. You know exactly. Exactly. Um. Or remove it, but be clever about it. Okay. Okay. So don't just have a thief steal it or a villain destroy it or something like that. That's cheap. Your players will be salty about it, and they will be right to be salty about 100%. it. One hundred percent. Okay. So, some some examples of how to remove a powerful magical artifact from your story. Perhaps it is the powerful ancient magical artifact they've grown dependent upon is a key to an ancient lock that needs to be opened. Okay, so they have to put it in the lock. That's a 5,000-year-old sword, magical sword. Where did you get it? I don't know. I found it in a treasure somewhere. So you go into a dungeon nearby, and it turns out that the lock is shaped like a sword's blade. Well, we try this, we try that. No, it's shaped specifically like the unique hilt that you have. No, maybe there's other rewards on the inside. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can get rid of that sword of smiting or whatever it is that's unbalancing right. your campaign by having it be consumed essentially by the lock, and you can give them other stuff on the inside. Mm-hmm. No, they lost the cool sword, but at least you gave them something in return, and hopefully this new treasure is more balanced. Yes. Okay? Um... Perhaps that uh, magical sword isn't a family heirloom mm-hmm. um, for a royal bloodline, and returning it to them is the only way to broker a peace between two warring factions. Um, maybe it's a sort of a Romeo and Juliet thing. They're fighting over it, and mm-hmm. they each think the other stole it. Yep. You know, and only by bringing it in, being like, "Hey, guys, no, actually, I found it in a tomb. It's right here. Yeah. Cool. Can we have it back? That's mm-hmm. literally our, you know, crown thing." Bam. Now, you've brokered peace between two warring factions by giving up a magic sword? Mm-hmm. That feels pretty good, right? Yep. And swords out of the game. Yeah. Also, second side to that, and this is just me, is you have factions who know you have it. Yep. And if you don't give it up to them, mm-hmm. now you do have a perfectly in-game rea- reason for thieves to steal it in the night. Well, thieves to steal in the night, things to try and go after you... Other people, contracts, mm-hmm. you know, now you have very rich people who want that. Yep. You know, very poor people who want it back, you know, because they lost it some time ago. You're not the only one who's ever ha- held hands with that. Yeah. So. And the last one here, because yeah, we really got to wrap up because we got to get some questions. Oh, yes. Um, is uh, perhaps a powerful trap or force, etc., mm-hmm. um, will kill the characters unless a sufficiently powerful magical artifact is sacrificed to stop it. Yep. Now, they have saved the entire party with their bro- with their bold sacrifice. Yep. You've removed it from the game, and everybody's happy and feels like a hero. Yep. So. Yep, yep. All right. Questions? Sure. Uh, we've got this grouping from Mad Elf um, that Mad came. Mad Elf had some great questions. Yeah. He, he did. He did. Um, have, you, uh, have you introduced an item uh, which unbalances the game, especially in the hands of a character? How would you go about removing it? I think we just kind of hit that one square on the head. Yeah, but have have you have you introduced one like off the top of your head? Do you do, can you think of one that you introduced that that unbalanced it and how? Not off the top of my head, I can't think of anything instantaneously. I know there have been a few, um, but it has been a while since I've I've introduced something that was just totally game breaking. Uh the flying broom is probably an oddly specific example for me because I I had to really do some mental gymnastics mm-hmm. to kind of rebalance things around around uh, that uh, one of our players has started the game with that. Yes. I said you could pick any uncommon magic item at character creation and they picked that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, why is that uncommon? But it's there it's and just, I let them have it. Yep, so it's a broom of flight. Uh, um how would you go about keeping an unbalanced item in game without letting it disrupt the story? Um I think for me, it's when it doesn't come into play, when it's just something that either has its own reputation and therefore when it gets seen, you know, 
is that the sort of, you know, you know, where you think it's just a, you know, a plus, you know, a, a bonus uh, um, armor, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, that gives you, you know, special resistance or whatever. Yeah. You know, people recognize that. And so now it changes your, per- the story's perception of you or of that player. Um, so it doesn't necessarily disrupt the story, but it definitely changes the flavor of the story. Um, and the story just continues because again, just because something's in there and it's a little unbalanced doesn't mean that it completely changes it. And if players then start going out of their way to change or alter the story, I think that's when the conversation needs to start shifting with that player. That's where disruption comes in. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we're no longer going to follow plot. We're going to go and do these other things because now I can steal anything, Mm -hmm. you know, or I, you know, I have a stealth of 25. Why am I even hanging out with these people? I'm just going to leave. Great. Hand me your character sheet. We'll make you a new character and uh, we'll come back to this guy at a certain point. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I just, well, I just want to, I, I just want to, well, the story lead. is here. This is what the story is and the players are here. So, you know, um, you know, and then for setting your game you enjoy, what are some of the most interesting rewards uh, you've introduced to players? Now, I know you did one that you, uh, the Perilous Poison or Potion. Um, which I thought was really neat the way you deployed it and what it became in the end. Yeah, it was a, it was a book of riddles um, that every time uh, every, every riddle was a separate um, uh, a separate ingredient in this potion. Mm-hmm. And the very first riddle was the recipe for the potion. And once they figured it out, uh, first off, they had to work to figure it out, which I thought was great um, mm-hmm. because uh, they they then felt very good about finally getting the solution to it. Right. Um. But then they started brewing it, and um, they it, it gave them a uh, tangible benefit, like uh, dark vision or wings that gave them uh, you know the ability to use fl- you know fly briefly you know once a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all little little things, but they all came with a uh, a cosmetic change to their body as well. Yeah, um, like one of them grew grass instead of hair. Yeah. You know, one of them had, like, glowing, flickering eyes like candlelights. One of them grew dragonfly wings, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it was all neat little little things, but they all really took to those cosmetic changes and the cool little abilities they got, and they felt really good about it. So, yeah, yeah I think that was probably the, the coolest thing I've ever chucked in a, in a treasure chest. Um, I think for me, it's when I can give my players... Uh, uh, liberty to basically produce some, you know, uh, some of their own things. Like, uh, it's not so much that uh, it's a uh, a reward because, like, sometimes in my games, money is a relatively irrelevant. Like, I don't really weigh too much into it because you're heroes and you're constantly coming in and out of money. Yeah, sure. Um, but more along the situations of what you can do with it. Like, your character made. I think an exquisite outfit that had like a skirt that could move away and you could just do combat. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was specifically tailored. So basically I could, it was almost like a rip away skirt. Yeah. Like, um, but it was, it, it was not combat clothes. <laughs> not so that I could be a stripper. It was because I had several gun belts yeah. below my big ball gown. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to be able to remove them and get to my guns, which I know? thought was fantastic. And I was like, there, there you go. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't alter the game in a serious way. And I thought it was perfect for your character. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought it was, it was very appropriate. Yeah. Um, so things like that, I definitely think, uh, I like leaning into, um, heading back for just a second, Knox asked, uh, what if I suck at acting, uh, but I'm giving all my effort. Does, uh, do effort points count? Totally. Absolutely. That's what inspiration is for. That's yeah. what those kind of pieces are for so that we can give you those benefits. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so our next week's topic is going to be our listener show. Um, so once again, uh, we are going to be doing a listener show. All of our live chat is going to be open to everyone and we will have some great gift giveaways yes be in the live chat 7 p.m eastern time next week on december 30th uh on mixlr.com and uh join us in the discord and uh get a chance to win some of those prizes yep uh you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave instagram st underscore conclave listen to us live at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave uh like i said 7 p.m eastern time um uh, every wednesday night and uh join our discord you can find that up on our website at storytellerconclave.com and uh, we tweet it out pretty often. Yep. Um, thanks to our Patreon members, Knox, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, and Sparkle Motion specifically for helping us. Uh, it 
always is a benefit. Uh, if you are listening live for a pre-show, you heard music from Arcane Anthems, Cold Noise, Scott Holmes Music, and Kai Engel. Um, you can find most of that music on freemusicarchive.org or patreon.com. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. Um, our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Um, we'd also like to thank our families. Sarah, uh, Sarah's Sean is always making me laugh. Vicky, thank you so much for the help. And all of our friends at our gaming sessions that we'll be seeing this weekend. And hopefully even more into this new year. And every single one of you listeners, happy holidays, everybody. Good we night. love you. Good night.